We got back from uh, the Netherlands a few weeks ago, and uh, I shared a little bit about what was happening there, and it felt like that meeting was, actually it felt like a lot happened in that meeting. Like I think the prayer meeting before was a lot about the Holy Spirit and rivers of living water, and it felt like something had happened in that meeting, which was amazing. And then uh, Thomas came last week, and he was sharing about his experience in Switzerland and planting a church, which was great. Uh, wonderful to hear what's happening there in the church in Switzerland. And he spoke a lot about this thing about dying to live. And I was sitting there going, yeah, like, I haven't heard that for a while. Like, uh, Andrew used to, when, we, when we joined Josh Jen, Andrew used to preach that almost every week. And I was like, oh, my hat, I'm still, I'm still dying, Andrew, I'm still there. And, uh, and then I put a message on the WhatsApp group saying, hey, guys, please make Sunday a priority which in reflection feels like a bit of, um, why would I do that when Sunday is always a priority, right? Anyway, I did it because I wanted to share what I feel God's put in my heart. And uh, as I did that, saying, please come, it's very important. As I was saying, one of the groups were like, what's going on? Like, Dylan's announcing he's leaving the church. He's just been in the Netherlands. Like, they're poaching him. And then, like, things got so out of control. <laughs> to the point where I was messaging people going, like, it's cool. I'm not leaving. I just feel like I need to share something important with the church. So, anyway, it was quite funny. But um, some people took it more seriously than others. Okay, but I want to actually preach from a passage of Scripture, which... Um, <clears throat> It's very common, actually, and if you've been in Josh Jen, you'll know exactly what scripture it is, right? It's Acts 2, 42 to 47. You're going, how many more times can we preach from the scripture? Because we've pretty preached it about 100 times in Musenberg alone. We've been going for like two years. But it's always the passage that I find myself coming back to when I'm thinking about church and how New Testament church looks. Okay, so I, I want to pull out a few things from this passage for us this afternoon. And uh, let me read it. You could probably all um, recite it verbatim, but it's fine. Okay, so Acts 2, 42 to 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's an incredible passage of Scripture. Let, let me just pray quickly before I start. Father, I, I pray that you would be with us. I know you're already here. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, be in this sermon, Father God, that you would guide me as I preach this. God, I don't want to preach from my own wisdom, but I want to preach through the power of the Holy Spirit, lest I drain the cross of Christ of all power. And Jesus, I pray that your word would come across with power today, Father God, and that you would speak to your hearts and minds, Lord Jesus, that, uh, and that we as a church would be uh, obedient and willing to change and wanting to change, Father God, and to follow hard after you. I pray that in Jesus' name. So as I was reading this passage, I'm going, oh, this is incredible. Like, I think as a church, as a young church, we're getting some of these things right. And as a pastor, when I hear of people going for dinner at people's homes and people connecting um, outside of church, I get encouraged, right? I love that. I love to know that people are connecting. There's a sense of community. Okay. Wow, that's awesome, right? We're getting going here. We're just getting going. And there's a sense of community, right? Because that's what church should be. It's a family dynamic to church. If we were just coming to a Sunday or Wednesday, then I think we would have missed something. So I want to first encourage you and say, well done. 
Because I, I do see that in this congregation, and I love it. It's beautiful to see people connecting and, and really living out this thing of family in the church. But there's three words that I want to focus on this afternoon from this passage of Scripture. And the first one is mission. The second one is meeting. And the third one is momentum. Okay. Mission, meeting, and momentum. So for mission, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So they devoted themselves to what the apostles were teaching. Now, what were the apostles teaching? Well, they were teaching the teachings of Jesus, right? They were teaching the words of Jesus to these new believers. So we have 3,000 people saved at Pentecost, and the apostles are going, we need to teach them something. We've just been with Jesus for three years. Let's teach them that, right? And they teach them what Jesus had taught them. And at the very core and center of what Jesus teaches to his apostles is what? The Great Commission. Okay, and we find that in Matthew 28, this thing called the Great Commission. So the mission of the early church and the mission of the church is really, in a lot of ways, the Great Commission. And we read it in Matthew 28. It says this, And then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus um, had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And so the mission of the church, this thing called the church, is the Great Commission. But then the mission of each individual is also the Great Commission. To go out and make disciples of all nations, right? And, and while you're making disciples of all nations, to extend the kingdom of God. To, to make the kingdom of God known to the world around us. And we do that and we, we establish it, we, we preach its values and we preach Jesus and his second coming and his coming back, ultimately because he will one day come back to rule and reign again over his kingdom. Do we get that? Do we get that that's our primary mission, right, as Christians? One of our primary missions is to, to seek and save the lost. Peter was saying in the prayer meeting where Jesus sees the multitudes and he's moved with compassion, you see, you can be on the mission but have no compassion. If we're on the great mission, then we have to have compassion for the lost. And are we seeking for the lost? Being on mission without compassion just means, well, it just means you're on a mission. <laughs> you're doing a job, exactly. The great commission is not a job. And so then I was thinking through this thing of like, we're a church and we're individuals and we're on a mission. Yes. Now, what do you call someone who's on a mission? Yeah. <laughs> you see, that's so weird. I didn't think of it at all. I was like, someone who's on a mission is a missionary. I don't know why it never came to me. It's like, it doesn't, it wasn't <laughs> I was like, it's just someone on a mission. But someone who's on a mission is a missionary. Okay, and when we think of missionaries, we think of you know, Mike and Marie are missionaries and they're these people who've left their homeland and they've come to a foreign land and they're helping people in this land and, you know, it's, it's great for them. That's their calling and they've denied themselves certain things and given themselves to the gospel and we should support missionaries. 
which we should. And we think of passages like, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. And you go, yes, missionaries, deny yourself. Because you've been called. You have been called. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? We think of Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Or one more, Matthew 10.38. And, and anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And we go, well, that's great because those scriptures are written obviously just for missionaries. No, those scriptures are written to the whole church. Amen. Not just a select group of people who've decided to lay down everything and all their desires to follow Christ. No, it's written to every single person in this room who proclaims Christ as Savior. And with any mission... There's required a, an amount of uh, commitment and giving ourselves to that mission. Now, it would be useless if you were going on a mission and you're like, well, I'm going to give 10% of myself and uh, we'll see how we go. Well, I promise you, you're not going to get very far. And so being on mission for Christ or being a missionary means we give of ourselves, of our time, and of our resources. And there's a measure of investment that we all give as part of fulfilling this great commission that Christ has given to us. In fact, the words of John, the, I love these words of John the Baptist. He says this of Christ. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. <laughs> That's not a very worldly mantra at all. The world would be like, what are you talking about? The whole point of life is to amass more things for yourself, that everyone else becomes less and you become more. And yes, our call is to become less. In fact, our call as we embark on this mission is to, in some sense, give everything to Christ. You see, there's this word crucify, or crucifixion which is used in our passage, says those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. I was talking to Marco, we had coffee this week, and we were talking about the concept of crucifixion, how sometimes as a punishment, you could go through a punishment, and then once you've been punished for a little while, you can leave. But the thing with crucifixion is, once you've been crucified, you are really dead. There's no half-hearted crucifixion. In fact, the Romans were so good at crucifixion that they made sure you died. They pierced Jesus. They broke his legs. They knew he was going to die. Did they break his... No. They didn't break his legs, so... Maybe they broke legs of people who were crucified. Let's go with that. That was the practice. Good thing I caught myself. Yeah, he wasn't bruised. He wasn't broken. Okay, anyway. I'm back on topic. So there's this thing of being crucified and, and dying to the things of this world. That was my point. 
In fact, the word excruciating was invented by the Romans to describe the pain that you felt when you were crucified. Has anyone felt excruciating pain? Really? When you gave birth? <laughs> so all the men are like, no, never. Let's just try not compete. Okay, excellent. Let's move on. <laughs> and so there's this thing of this dying to ourselves in order that uh, we live for him. But it's not one-sided. You kind of go like, Yo, Dylan, you're talking a lot about like dying, like and being crucified and, and crucifying the desires of the flesh. And yes, we are. But there's this, there's this thing that theologians call the great exchange. You might have heard of it. There's this, it's this concept of, well, because Christ laid his life down for me and died for me, now I lay my life down for him. And when you say that, it sounds like there's almost like this, this duality or, or the equal parts. Because Christ died for me, I will now lay down my life for his kingdom. And the, the reality is, it was never an equal exchange. That you gave Christ your sin and he gives you salvation. It's not equal. <laughs> See, we like to think of ourselves as quite good people at heart. But actually, I was saying to Sean, now we went to the beach this morning. I just thought of this now in the prayer meeting. We went to the beach and the kids were surfing and it was beautiful. And it, no, it wasn't. It was windy. It was terrible. Anyway. <laughs> It was beautiful to be in nature. <laughs> and, and Kanye was there, and I was like, ah, it was playing. And we were watching them, and it was pretty and cool. And, and then out of nowhere, like, I don't get too graphic, but there was like this odor that came over us as we were sitting there. And I don't, I don't want to speculate what it was, but it literally was so bad that I felt physically ill. I had to get up and walk away. And that was the end of our day. I was like, I can't sit here. This is too hectic. And in some ways, that is what we are when Christ meets us. We think we come smelling like axe deodorant. And Christ is going, your sin is so repugnant. But still, I will give my perfect life for you. That is the great exchange. And we were sitting with some people this week, and I, I, won't, I won't mention names, so I don't embarrass anyone, but we were sitting with people who are newly saved. And there's just this excitement and wonder going like, it's too good to be true. And I think sometimes with older believers, we kind of forget that a little bit. Like, it's, it's just going, I can't believe, I, I never knew him, and now I knew him, and I can't stop reading the Bible. And it's just, and his revelation, and he's so good, he's so good. I think we go like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm like, I got saved like 25 years ago, like it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. I wasn't a bad person. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this great exchange is that he gives his life and now I give my life. And there's this, this saying that goes, if you've been in a situation and someone saves your life, you go, I owe that person my life. Who here has been saved by someone in, in reality? No one. And no one's been saved by another person. Okay, okay, yeah, there we go. Okay, awesome. And then when, you, when that happens, you go to that physical person, I owe that person my physical life. Like you would almost do anything for that person. And then when Christ saves you, it's like, well, he saved you physically, but he saved you into eternity. And you go, well, 
How much more do I owe that person in my life? How much more should I want to willingly give him everything? Go, you've saved me from death. You've brought me to life. Have everything. Being on mission with Christ, this wonderful, wonderful privilege of being on mission with him means that we give him everything in order to fulfill what he has asked us to do. And that is to seek and save the lost. Now, it's a little bit uncomfortable to talk about dying all the time. And uh, when I was younger, it wasn't polite to talk about dying in... It's not very polite to talk about death. <laughs> it's not polite conversation. No, it's not. And maybe a different way of saying it is, are you giving yourself or have you fully given yourself to the mission or the great commission of Christ? To the mission field, which is literally the street starts right here. Have you given yourself to Christ and to the kingdom, to his mission of redemption and reconciliation? And you get a sense just by reading that, that passage in Acts that the early church was so, was so um, thankful and grateful for what Christ had done that they gave themselves, firstly to apostles' teaching, but to everything that they said. They were like, we will do anything because of what Christ has done for us. So my question is, are you on the mission? And the flip side of that is, well, if, you, if you're a little bit on the mission, well then, what is consuming the rest of your time? What is the other mission that you're on? Because often, we're all very good at multitasking. That's the big thing, eh? multitask. <laughs> Look how many jobs, I can, I can do so much. <laughs> uh, I read this one thing that multitasking is a myth, and I do believe it. I think it is a myth. But we still think we can do more than one thing. And so we go, well, I can be a little bit on mission for Christ, and, and then there's other, other missions that I'm on as well. No, Christ says, no, there's one mission. Will you give yourself to that? And uh, Scripture is so clear. I mean, uh, I have things that I love doing, and I... I do things on the side and illustrations and everything. And I know there's some incredibly talented people in this room and business people, and that's awesome. And I, I, don't get me wrong, I don't hate money or, or making money or business. It's great. The kingdom needs people like that. But at the same time, it says that at the, at the end of time, what happens is everything that is not done for him will be burnt up. And everything that is of him will, be, will remain. So the question is, are we on the mission? Are you on the mission? Am I on the mission? Are we on the mission together as the body of Christ? And then meeting, people who are on mission together meet together. So Acts 2 says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. As I said, I love the fact that this community has grasped this thing of eating together and spending time together. It's beautiful. But I think there's more to just that side. It is actually the meeting together of the body and the church. Uh, I'm convinced that our culture actually aggressively preaches autonomy and self-government. 
I don't know if you've noticed that, but don't tell me what to do. I am my own person. And in fact, while, while culture teaches this thing of aggressive autonomy, Scripture always teaches community without fault. It's all about the brotherhood and, and coming together as the church and the body and, and loving one another. The biggest thing at the moment in the is self-love. Make yourself feel better. And so, when you're talking about meeting in a sermon, there's a few passages that always come up, and I'm sure Mike and Marie can tell me, like Hebrews 10.25. He knows Hebrews 10.25. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints, as some are in the habit of doing. Okay, we know that passage. I could come to you and go, guys, Scripture says we have to meet together. You'd be like, okay, and you would maybe come and go, Scripture says I have to do it, so I better do it. I better be there. But I think there's more to meeting together than just doing because we have to. I would hate to think that we come to church because we have to. And I'm sitting at the back of the door with a little list going, oh, Julian, missed this week. Bam, over <laughs> Off eldership. <laughs> You know, there's, there's that thing of like, okay, but that is one side of it. I don't want to, I don't want to discredit that. That scripture does say, we should, and it's beautiful, we must. The scripture also says things like this. His, in, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. You see, you read that passage and you go, it's through the church. It's through meeting together on a Sunday that God's manifold wisdom is made known to the authorities in heavenly realms. Now, doesn't that change your perspective on meeting on a Sunday? It's not just a meeting. It's, it's a declaration in some ways. It's a declaration of we, we don't choose autonomy. We choose community because that's God's model. And, we, and we, we don't just do it because we're meeting. We meet because it's saying something in the heavenly realms. It's declaring something that God's church is his wisdom and his vehicle for change in the earth. Man, that should get you revved to come to church. Like, I'm going to church to prove something. Not to myself or to anyone else, but because this is God's plan for the earth. Yes, man. That's so cool. Instead of like, ah, oh, it's four o'clock. Okay, I'll get to that now. <laughs> and so we meet together. And, oh, beautiful. Anyway, we should, I love it. We display God's manifold wisdom, his wisdom. We look at the church and go, how is this wisdom? And I look around this room. I look at myself. How is this wisdom? But it is. It's his plan. He uses us, people, ordinary, average. Scripture says it about the apostles, ordinary and uneducated. And he shames the, the wise with the foolish things. It's awesome. <laughs> and so each person here is important. Don't ever come to church and go like, ah, I'm just going to go to church and there's nothing for me there and I'm just going to do it and tick a box. No, everyone here plays a role. Everyone is important. There's, there's no one here who comes and just sits on a chair and does nothing. I hope you never feel like that. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, What shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. 
This, I love this line. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So do we, do we come to church expectant of what God's going to do and then what God's going to do through us? Because I, I guarantee you that God doesn't look at people and go, Eddie, ach, this week, you can sit. It's fine. I don't have anything for you this week. Just, just sit back and chill. <laughs> and then like, ach, Thorin, yeah, thank, like, like last, week, last week you were awesome, Ru, but this week, you know, it's cool. Eh? Like, I don't think God does that. I think he looks around the whole church and he goes, yes, these are my people. I want to use every single one of them. And all he's doing is waiting for us to go, Jesus, how can you use me on a Sunday? I don't just want to sit there and, and consume. I want, to, I want to participate in what's happening. The church is never meant for spectators. If you want to come and spectate and watch me, there's way more interesting things on TV to watch than me, I promise you. I shouldn't have said that. No one's going to come back. <laughs> but he's given us gifts. He's given the church gifts. He's given each one of you a gift. And it's, and it's for you as much as it is for the whole body. It's a beautiful thing. And, and he's asked us to use these gifts to be wise stewards of the talents and the gifts that he's given us. Oh, I pray we never get to him on that day and go, Jesus, I don't even know what gifts you gave me. And he's like, well, I gave you, they were there. And you never used them. Gifts for the building up of the church. Who knows what can happen? Who knows if you come and you, you see someone you've never seen, you give them a word and go, I just feel like this. Or you pray for somebody who's having a bad day. Like, can I just pray for you? You don't know. It's this little interaction. We think it's the big stuff. Like, I've got to get up front and give a prophetic word for 2023. In this year, Margaret. I mean, okay. Let me be careful. I love prophetic words. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? Yes, if you've got a prophetic word, bring it. Awesome. Wonderful. But I promise you, that prophetic word is no more or no less powerful than you praying for someone on a meeting, or in a meeting, or before a meeting, or after a meeting, and something happens in a person's life. Yeah. <clears throat> Where am I? I've lost my place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, with that in mind, of, of what the church what it is, what it's a declaration of, that, that we meet together, that we all bring gifts. That I'm trying to stir up something of a longing of being with God's people. Like, do we long to be, do we actually want to and long to meet with the saints on a Sunday? To worship together, to really spend time in worship with our King, with our, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, Paul says this to Timothy, he says, I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Now, I know the context of that passage is not meeting every Sunday. And I know Paul wants to see Timothy because Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. But there's something of a principle there where it's like, because we're brothers and sisters, in, brother, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, is there not a longing to be together? Is there not a wanting to be together? I think there's something in that that we should really fight for. I remember in the, in the early days of Josh Jen, we used to live in City Bowl, and Josh Jen only had one, two, two, or three, two or three congregations. I don't remember. It was Sunningdale was the big one, and there's Durbanville, and I think Milkbus had already planted. I don't know. But we lived in City Bowl, and so we drove every Sunday to Sunningdale. And 
to be honest, there's no real reason to drive to Sunningdale other than church. <laughs> Sorry, Sunningdale, AMPM. Um, but, but we used to drive there. But then people who were young students didn't have enough money. So they would go to the Celtics garage on a Sunday morning and all hang out there and then carpool together. Now, they could have just gone, well, I don't have money, so I'm not going to go. And yeah, cool, valid. Or they made a plan. And that was twice on a Sunday. It wasn't just the morning. Guys were hardcore, man. It's like guys would drive to Sunningdale, stay there the whole day, do two services, and then drive back. Yeah, that was church, yeah, yeah. They are longing to be together. And I, I was thinking this when I was preparing this sermon. Like, you know, we can talk about meeting and, and, and being available and making time. But I think actually it's more to do, as saying now, with the heart of it. Like, is your heart to be with God's people on a Sunday afternoon? You know, Scripture says, where your heart is, there your treasure will also be. I, I, I do like um, playing with words. Uh, sometimes I'm known to post a little thing on Facebook. And actually, that was quite funny, because on, on the WhatsApp thing, speculating what was going to happen today, someone was like, let's check Facebook, because maybe he's dropped some clues. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? I'm like being investigated here. Like, uh, and I was like deleting. No, I wasn't. But <laughs> I was like, this thing has gone deep, man. Like, <laughs> what if there was a picture of the Netherlands there? You guys would have been freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote this on Facebook. I said, if your heart's not in it, the smallest reason will become your biggest excuse. If your heart is not in it, the smallest reason will become your biggest excuse. And have you ever noticed on a Sunday when you're, maybe, maybe like church is on, your heart's not really in it, and you're like, ah, you're this ingrown toenail. I mean, it was bad in the week, but now. <laughs> and the, uh, we, like, <laughs> we, well, like, I've been there. Okay, I, okay I'm not pointing fingers. I think, <laughs> I was in, I've been in Josh Jane for 16 years. I've only been an elder for five. Okay. I was in this church for 10 years. I know, I know. I wasn't always in the good space. I was actually often in a very terrible space. But that ingrown toenail, and you send the WhatsApp, and you're like, I can hardly walk. I'm in so much pain. But actually, it's not, it's not the pain. And it's not the tunnel. It's just you've lost the heart. It's just like, I don't really want to be there. And so the smallest thing just becomes this big thing in your mind. It's like, I think I need to get my toe amputated tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then miraculously on Monday, your toe is perfectly healed. You're like, thank you, Jesus. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> It's like when I was in school. I mean, if I'm just dead honest, I hated school, like with a passion. Like my heart was the furthest thing from school. And you know what it's like when you wake up in winter and you don't want to go to school anyway on the best day. Like even when you're feeling good, you don't want to go to school. <clears throat> and your throat's like a little bit like, <laughs> the throat's a little bit sore. You're like, ah, <laughs> mom, ah, mom, I didn't, ah. Like, ah, we used to, <laughs> Mom, I don't feel so good. Uh, <laughs> Your mother's like, okay, I'll give you a bye. Like, we used to invent stuff at school, like ways to get off school. I was thinking about it today. I think, actually, there was one thing we used to... Uh, does anyone remember the thing of, like, putting toothpaste in your eye? Yeah. No, I think it was a real thing. 
I think they said it gave you a sty. So that was like, or like, or like getting the, the, therm, the thermometer and putting it on the light bulb in your bed and going like, and your mom's like, dude, you should be dead, but it's cool. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> my heart wasn't in it. Ever. So I him a trick. Man, school did not have my heart. And so does your heart long to be with fellow believers? On a Sunday and a Wednesday, is that the longing of your heart? Now, I'll say one more thing and I'll say this. <coughs> Actually, I'm not going to say that. <coughs> you long to be... And, and let me just put a disclaimer. I know, I know people get sick. Okay, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know, I, know there are, I know there are legitimate reasons why we can't make church. I get that. I do. I'm not saying if you miss church, whatever. I, ho I hope you get my heart. I really... I, I never want to get into the place of where I'm ticking boxes and checking and going, ah, oh, like, but let me say this. I, often in a meeting, you're leading a meeting and the messages start coming through. And some messages, the person's like, I so want to be there. I so want to be there, but I can't. I'm so sorry. And immediately you get the heart. You're like, I know you want to be there. I get it. And other messages, you're just like, I'll be honest, it's like, ah, I just don't think your heart's there, man. Like, I, don't, I will, love thinks the best. Love thinks the best. If you say that, okay, I believe you. But man, is your, is your heart with us or is it not? Someone like Mike. <clears throat> Mike's a very hard man to keep away from church. I don't know if you know that. He's a very hard man to keep away from church. Like, it's like, Mike, are you sure you want to come to church? Like, you, you have leukemia, and you're going through chemo. Are you sure you want to be there? Like, I'm going to be there. Mike was supposed to preach today. <laughs> That's just a little bit of perspective. Mike was supposed to preach today. <laughs> Don't let your ingrown toenail stop you from meeting with the saints. <laughs> If anyone's got an ingrown toenail, yeah, I'm so sorry. We can pray for you. <laughs> I know they're very painful. <laughs> but if you're consistently finding other things to do on a Sunday or finding reasons not to be there, then I'm afraid you've lost sight of the mission and maybe you've lost heart. And I would love to pray for you. That's not an indictment. That's I would love to pray for you. This church, we place this high value on meeting together. And in some ways, there should be a sense of like fear of missing out with church. I don't know if you ever get that. But like, it's like, what did I miss this week? I couldn't make it. And I always think of Thomas, doubting Thomas. Like, who knows where Thomas was when Jesus came back? He was disillusioned, probably, probably feeling a bit sorry for himself. And Jesus comes and he returns and he shows himself to the disciples. And the disciples are, and they see Thomas. They're like, Jesus is risen. Thomas is like, I don't believe you. I won't believe you. Until you. And obviously Jesus is very kind and merciful when he comes back. But there's something about missing something. Or missing, I, I never want to miss out what's happening in church. It's like watching the first episode of a series, skipping five, and then watching the last one. You see, and the disciples had explained to Thomas what happened, but it still didn't satisfy him. 
I can explain to you that someone came forward and gave a word last week, and it was incredible, and something happened. And you're like, okay, cool, and? But you had to be there. <laughs> it was a great, okay, cool, there was a good word. Yeah, but you weren't there. You, I, I, can't, I can't explain to you what happened. I can't explain to you. It's like we went overseas recently, and before you go now with the internet, you watch 100 videos about Amsterdam. Like, I want to see everything. And you watch, like, out of Amsterdam, like, ah, whatever. Until you get there. And you're like, I have no clue what is going on in this city. Like, it's, you know, you get my point. So, mission, the mission of God. The great commission of reaching the lost, of having compassion on the lost, of inviting them in, of, of bringing them into community. And then the meeting together, the meeting together of the saints, this, this incredible thing of what happens here when we meet together as a church. And then this thing of momentum. So we see in the book of Acts, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I don't want you to think this is a formula of going, well, if we do this thing and this thing, then this thing will happen. But I do think there's something of, if we, if we understand the mission and give ourselves to it, and if we come together as a church who are on mission together and meet together, then there's something of, together, if everyone's here, you, you do build a momentum together. You're not always going like, okay, you weren't there last week. Do you know what I'm saying? My heart is that no one misses a meeting, not because, because I want everyone here. I want you to see what happens. Like I want, I want faith to build and to grow and to be like, last week was so awesome, I can't wait to see what happens this week. Or what am I going to bring this week? Oh, I'm so pumped. Yeah, I think if we understand the mission and meeting together, we will, I think at the very least, maintain momentum or even gain momentum. Isn't that what we want? I'd hate to be a church that in five years' time is still sitting in the same place going, we haven't really moved individually or corporately anywhere. We're just kind of maintaining. <sighs> maintaining is going backwards, yeah. Uh, let me tell you this story. I was thinking about, I was trying to think of illustrations for momentum. Um, so I used to skateboard when I was younger, a lot. And uh Maybe it's not the best story, but I'll just tell it. Um, so there was this, this street in, uh, in Kenilworth, which was this massive street. And uh, it was this massive hill. And uh, I, every, my, friends, my friends heard of this hill. It's called Oak Road. It's in Kenilworth. You can go find it. Maybe if you really want to. You can, check, you can fact check me. <laughs> so it's not fake news. But uh, So we go to this hill, and I'm like, trying to prove something, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I think my friend's like, you're never going to do it, ever. Like, you're never going to get, this is too big for you even, like, and I wasn't even really a downhill skater. So at that point, because I'm a teenager, or a little bit older, and I'm trying to prove stuff to my mates, I'm like, well, let's just see. And uh, I remember I had a Walkman. Who remembers this? <laughs> I can really date myself. <laughs> I remember having this old skateboard that wasn't anything special, and I remember putting my Walkman on, and pressing play to this like ska punk band, I was like, okay, here we go, bro. And uh, in those days, when you used to do it, we used to like you used to carve a little bit down the road and try kill a little bit of speed, so you're not just going like in a straight line. And I was like, 
And eventually you get to the point when you're going too fast. Mike will know. You can't turn your board anymore. It's just, because if you try to turn, you're going to fall. And at that point, you just commit. And uh, I feel like I committed way too soon. <laughs> and then there's no turning back, bro. There's, I mean, there's no turning back. Once you are committed, it's literally you're on the board and you're just going. And it, you can't jump off because if you jump off, that is not going to be good, bro. It is not going to end well for you because you're not going to outrun the skateboard. Anyway, short story, long story short. I had the most momentum I've ever had in my entire life. And you know what? Momentum is exciting. There's an excitement to it. I was on that board, my adrenaline was through the roof, and I was like, if I fall, I'm going to die, but this is incredible. And I know my friends are there, and they can't believe I'm doing it, and I'm the man, and this music's playing, and I'm like, Ee! And I go down the hill, I don't fall, I make it, and they're just like, what the heck? And then you, because you're cool, you're like, Ugh. I mean. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's exhilarating. When you're going from one meeting and you go to the next meeting and you just keep going and you're building and you're building, there's like an excitement that it builds. It doesn't just become like, oh, we're going to meet again. It's like, yes, I can't wait to meet again. And I, I started boxing last year and uh, I went a lot and I, I got, <clears throat> I didn't get fit, but like, first lesson, five minutes in, I was broken. Second lesson, 25, okay, 30, okay, 40 minutes, okay, I can make it. Okay, hour, okay, barely make it. And then I got, then I stopped. So now I'm going back this Thursday. What's happened is I've lost all momentum. And on Thursday, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> my coach is very cool, but he's, I mean, it's cool, and the, the, the music's pumping, but I know I'm going, I'm physically going to feel pain. Maria's with me, okay. And I feel like maybe for some people here, maybe you feel like you've missed a few meetings and you've missed out on stuff and you maybe don't have the same momentum as other people. But that's, the encouragement is to not to just stop and go, oh, well, I'm never going to catch up. It's no, you will catch up one step at a time. Okay. I don't know if there are people here, but if that is you, like, just jump back, just jump right in, really. Join us. Just, just do it. Like, Okay. Momentum in the early church was Pentecost 3,000, then the numbers grew to like 5,000. It just, it just keeps going. People are added and gifts are added and the church just keeps growing and it's an incredible thing. So what does this look like practically? So with regards to mission, we've spoken about that and maybe some of us here feel like we've maybe lost a bit of a vision for the mission of God. There's a lot of distraction around us, and it does happen, but we forget the main thing of why we're even here, that we've been bought with a price, that there's been this great exchange where we give nothing and we get eternal life in return. And I'd like to, in worship now, when Rosie does worship, is to spend some time just maybe refocusing and re-giving ourselves to the commission of God, to the mission of God and to the mission of the church. And then I would say with regards to meetings like Wednesdays and Sundays, I said, as a church, we hold meetings in high regard. And I feel like, I want to say this, if there's something that is consistently hampering or stopping you from coming to meetings, bring that thing to God and lay it at His feet.
my heart as a pastor is that no one is left behind, that we are on one mission together, we all meet together and there's an excitement and wanting to meet together and to be available to do what God wants to do through us. But here's the trick. I can tell you that, but you need to have the conviction. I want us to spend some time in worship and just says, God, what are the things that are stopping me from fully committing to you? Are there things that are stopping or, or hindering me? Or, or have I missed a few episodes of this series and God, I don't want to miss out anymore. I don't want to miss what you're doing in the church. I want to be part of what you're doing in the church on this earth. And God is gracious and he's kind and he's slow to anger. And of course he wants you along on the mission. He doesn't force us. 